Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this week's episode, I was delighted to be joined by Karen Moore, who has actually been on one of the other podcasts that I do in the charity sector. But it was great to have a conversation with Karen about life and about what she knows for sure. And quite a lot of things coming through there about resilience, about kindness, about having that understanding that you don't need to have a structured path, that you don't need to know exactly what your next step's going to be. You just need to have the confidence that it will be a step and that you will end up somewhere else. A really interesting conversation that I enjoyed, so I hope that you do too. Karen, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's lovely to be here and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, tell me a wee bit about you. So I, um, I've been in Scotland now since 1991 and um, my career really started then. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've been in the uh, charity sector for since 1991 as well. So yeah, so I've been over 30 years in the charity sector. I do interim, interim executive work. Uh, so I go in in and out of organisations when they don't have a leader for the organisation. And I go in, help the organisation. It might be to do some turnaround, some change work, or it might be some handholding work of the organisation while a new leader comes in. And I sometimes do the helping to find that new leader. It just depends what the board you know, want me to do. So, but I do quite a lot of change and turnaround contracts, and I also do some handholding. Or, in a couple of cases, I've also done some closures, which is really sad. But hopefully, there's not so not so many of those. Yeah, yeah. perfect, perfect. So, Karen, I know that you've been thinking about this for quite some time. It was that I've asked you this question. <laughs> I think it, we could even be a year, couldn't we? <laughs> uh, so, tell me, Karen, what do you know for sure? Okay, well, I have been thinking about this for quite a long time. And I think what I know for sure is that for me, anyway, it's about being a giver. It's about having not a structured path. And it's about random acts of kindness, or even acts of kindness. And it's about resilience. So they're all my, what do I know for sure? Amazing. I can't write as fast as you're telling me. So actually, you've gone from saying I don't know what I know for sure to knowing quite a lot of things for sure, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's all mixed in from from my childhood, actually. And uh, so I know that these the non-structured bit isn't that goes back to kind of my teenage years and but I think it goes back, the, the acts of kindness and the resilience definitely come from my, I think, childhood. I think that's where that starts. Yeah. Uh-huh. And how did, so how did it show up? And when you started to think about it, how far back did your, your memory have to take you? So I think it took me back to my childhood. Um, and I think it goes back to having a voice and being a voice for, for other other children or other people who who maybe don't have a voice and this probably will seem really weird to other listeners and I don't know how the age range of your listeners but 
my school when I was in, in my primary school, we had some quite vicious teachers. And when we didn't know our times tables, I mean, this just wouldn't, you know, this just doesn't happen. It'd be abuse these days. But we used to get wrapped over the knuckles with a ruler when we didn't know our times tables. And there was one child in my class and he was called Timothy and he he was in a wheelchair and he had special needs. And uh, but he was so, so bright. He was brighter than us all. And he always got his times tables right, always. And on this one occasion, he got one of them wrong. And, you know, this teacher went over to him to whack him over the knuckles with a ruler and I just like stood up and went, don't you dare, just <gasps> don't you dare. And I said, you can hit me, but don't you hit him. Wow. Karen, um, what age were you? I would have been about six. I was <sighs> like, I was fuming, absolutely fuming. And, and what happened? She made me stand in the corner. <laughs> she made me stand in the corner for the rest of the lesson, but she didn't hit him. Well done, Karen. Yeah. What do you think, therefore? Because I would say um, I don't have an example like that, but I'm that kind of person too. So that having a voice and being a voice, that's really, really important to me. I don't know when I can take it back to, but when you think about that must have been in you because as a six-year-old is doing something not like with intention or anything like that, you're doing it because it's visceral. It's because you had to stand up and defend that wee boy. When you reflected on that, even with your parents or your siblings or whatever, did you have a clue about how you got that spirit? Was it just naturally in you? Well, I don't know. My mum, and I said this, I think, in one of my other uh, podcasts with you, uh, my mum used to say, your God will always get you into trouble. And, yeah. and I've just always been a little bit mouthy. And I think this is probably one of the other things that I know for sure these days is that I had a bit of a different learning style. And I don't think even today teachers uh, are taught about or maybe they just don't teach teachers about learning styles or maybe they don't even have the time in classrooms to really take account of different learning styles. And I know that I I, I wasn't an academic child uh, in school or throughout school. I did okay, but I only engaged when I had a teacher who took the time to be interesting or it seemed interesting to me. So I didn't really do brilliantly it throughout kind of primary and secondary school. And I only really did well in subjects where I got on with the teacher's if I didn't get on with the teachers and it was a lot to do with their teaching styles, yeah. then I totally disengaged. And I, I really, I resonate so much with what you're saying because, as you know, my, my son, who's nine, he has autism. So that neurodiversity is absolutely perfect. I wouldn't change a thing about him. But his learning style is different, very different to my other two children, my two daughters who are much older now. And uh, when I reflect on school, so my wee boy, you know, is at the school that I went to as a kid because I live back where I grew up. And I think about all the boys I went to school with 
that are they're dead now. So they were all dead in their teenage and early 20 years for various things. I mean, I'm talking a lot, you know, when I'm out with school friends, we would chat about it. We're talking more than 10, you know, maybe 15, a lot of boys. And I think about them as wee boys in school and them always getting into trouble and things like that. And I think, you know, they were probably were just neurodiverse and the teachers didn't appreciate it and they just thought they were a bad boy. And if if my son didn't have us advocating for them and saying, you can't do it that way, you know, recently I had to go in and say, these are making faces at him and he doesn't know what these mean when you make a face at him. Can you please use your words? I mean, that, that is simple. I don't, I can't believe I had to actually say that, but I did. Yeah. So he's got me advocating for him, obviously, and my husband. But I think, like, when I think of all the boys I went to school with who are no longer here, they were told they were a bad boy so often, they just probably thought, well, I might as well be. And mm-hmm. I actually, when I think about it, it can, make, it can bring a tear to my eye. It really can. It can make Absolutely. me feel sad. Yeah. Because I think they were just misunderstood. Absolutely. And when I was at school, um, I used to, and I I still don't really understand. um, And my mum and dad aren't here anymore, so I can't ask them. But I can't understand why (laughs) at school, like this was throughout my secondary, it wasn't kind of apparent in my junior school. But when I was getting school reports, I used to get told, you know, I, I used to get compared to my sister all the time and it was constantly, oh, you, she's not as good as Janet, is she? You know, and um, oh, she'll, and I, 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 I got told you won't amount, amount to anything, you know. Uh, and, do you know, I'm told my sisters are nine and ten years older than me, very, very clever, you know, straight A students, and that, that wasn't me. I did all right at school. No, I wasn't either. I did okay. But I went through, you know. And the Matty, a lot of the teachers had also taught my sisters. And it was, there was like, you're not like your sisters. And I was like, well, exactly. no, no. But <laughs> I don't think I overly took that personally. But when you think about it, maybe I did, I don't know. But you also talked about your resilience. And do you think it's in times like that? Because I'm very resilient too. I would say I'm the most resilient of most of the people I know. Absolutely. But... When you think about that, maybe it's that comparing and having to have those moments of, right, so I'm not as good as them, but mm, I'm still good, though, and having to pull yourself back up all the time, even though you're being compared to people that were totally different. Absolutely, and I think it does build that inner resilience because you you then have to you have to fight for things and you have to earn your own way, you know, uh, and so you have to dig a, dig a bit deeper. Uh-huh. you know into yourself um yeah. and you have to find your own way so so yeah so I think and I don't know about you but I think when you you have to take a leap sometimes even when you're not sure and I think a good example of that is that like I worked from uh kind of when I was 16 and so um like my first job was in BHS in Liverpool and I used to get the six o'clock bus and take myself on into Lime Street Station and then bomb off to BHS down at the bottom of town and I'd do my shift in um on the on the till in BHS and work there but then I said to them one day you know I really fancy um kind of I I really like nutrition I I was really into kind of nutrition and so I did home economics it was called home economics then well I didn't like the title but hey but I like the nutrition element I didn't particularly like 
any of the other stuff. But so I knew that I wanted to do something around catering and kind of nutrition. And eventually that's why I did. I did a HND in hotel and catering management. And yeah. that's what I went off to do. I was quite practical rather than academic. But so I said to them, I said, you know, this is what I'm thinking of doing. So I said, can I get, you know, can I transfer from the till to being in your cafe? And so they said, yeah, actually, we when we don't have any vacancies in the actual restaurant. But they said, the staff cafe, we need somebody. So I said, yeah, great. So anyway, the next week um, I was due to start in the staff cafe. And so um, so. Got the, got the bus, six o'clock, went, reported to the, uh, the duty manager and they said, right, he said, there's a bit of a problem, actually. Uh, the the manager in the cafe is off, so you'll be working by yourself today. So my <laughs> day in the cafe and I had to literally work, serve everybody, make everything for 200 staff <gasps> and I was by myself. And I was only 16, you know? And that resilience, you know, and literally just take a leap. And I had to bake scones, chips, uh, had to do uh, the fish, had to do the fryers, had to do everything myself for 200 people. And then I had to do all the washing up and everything. I was absolutely knackered by the end of it. But, you know, the sense of achievement, it was great, you know. It was fabulous. And Uh I was just like, yay, I've managed to do that all by myself. And, you know, see, when you say that, and I obviously know you through our our careers, which cross paths sometimes, and you said at the start, you know, that you will go in and you do interim leadership, you help solve difficult situations, and you do a bit of hand-holding, and sometimes, sadly, you have to close organisations down. And, like... It was there in you as as a (laughs) 16-year-old, just dealing with what was in front of you, wasn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what got me thinking about what I would want to talk to you about. And I sometimes think, you know, you only really grow, and it's true, we only learn from either the hard stuff or we only really learn from our mistakes, you know, or what's what's gone wrong at the time you know people can praise you to death they can give you brilliant brilliant feedback and you know that's lovely it's so nice to get a stroke and a pat on the back you know we all need that we all need those thank yous we all need that you know that lovely recognition we all need that but what stretches you what makes you grow is when something challenges you when when it's hard when it's challenging, when it when you've got to stretch yourself or when you're uncomfortable, that's when you really grow. And, you know, I really agree. And, and like you, I'm obviously freelance. And so I took that leap. It was just actually in the first of May, it was five years. So it's over five years ago now. And it was the best thing I ever done. When I reflect on it, I think, oh God, I can't believe I was so brave. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's like now sometimes people will be like, oh, there's this job coming up. Do you fancy applying for it? I'm like, no, I don't want a job. I actually just want to be, you know, freelance and do different work at different times with different people and have that variety in my life. Are you the same when it comes to work? Because, you know, we we work on a time where, you know, I'm busy enough, but I could be busier or I've got too much work or I've not got very much work. And that's just part of your reality. But we're obviously okay with that now. Yeah, do you know, something I I think about and 
I've been in a quite a long contract. Uh, so I've been there now for a year and a half, which is very unusual. It's really yep. unusual, but it's been quite a complex situation and quite a, um, a challenging situation. And it's and also we had real difficulties recruiting. The market's difficult anyway, but we've had real problems recruiting. But finally, we've we've managed to get the leader for the organisation. So I'm just about to leave, and. I started, I, I even though I've been doing this now for five years, I I still get that kind of, oh, I'm, I'm leaving an organisation. What if, what if something doesn't come along? But, you know, as soon as I start kind of getting to that point of where, you know, I leave in August and already I've got about four kind of notes of interest of people asking me you know can I you know can I think about another piece of work or you know am I available you know can I you know can I you know give them a quote for something I've already got people contacting me and you know so there's there's already things in the pipeline and you know I I, honestly five years ago I would never believe that Anne I would never believe that me too I think as the years have gone on not a much more able for like always looking for work so I'm always speaking to people and I did some talk tips actually when it was the one the five-year anniversary and I said like after every meaningful conversation send them a proposal of what value you could add so I actually end up like you know I send a lot of stuff out to people I try you know I follow up I try to get more work all the time and it won't the thing I found is it doesn't necessarily come when you're expecting it but it does come like I've had conversations and it's been nine months later that people have got in touch and said can you do that now now at the point nine years ago I wanted to do it right then but actually I did some other stuff and now I can take that on as well so it's just it's holding your nerve as again that is us accepting as you said at the start the non-structured path it's not going to go the way you you think it's going to go also having resilience in the face of oh my god what's going to happen next and just be like no something will happen next yeah and it is and I think it also goes back to I think it's about giving as well you know uh, and I'm very much about and this goes back to who you are as people and how you approach things and it's not just from a work perspective it's how I have always approached things in life and with you know with family and with friends I'm a natural giver I like to give and it's not about receiving something back it's it's just about your nature and I think you know when people um approach me you know I don't always want to be paid for something, you know, I prefer to give some knowledge or give some skills or, you know, have a chat to somebody and it may not come to anything, but, you know, somewhere down the line, something happens and it may not happen with that person, but sometimes it happens through another person, and you know, and, and it is about that give because sometimes from that give, you also receive. You do. You know, and and I, I just think that the the opposite, you know, I find in life that if you just constantly take, I don't think you actually then receive. And do you know something I often think? Like, if somebody's awful, right? Generally, I would say as an arsehole, then <laughs> they're not, and they're not for changing. And actually, I think, well, 
that's okay. They're already not a very nice person. They've yeah. already had a lot of shit to deal with in their life, and that's why they behave the way they do. I'm not about karma. I'm not about any of that. I'm just going to say, I don't want to spend time with you, and I'm sorry for whatever happened to you. It makes you such an awful person. But I'm moving on past, and I don't have any, like, you keep taking if you want, but I'm never going to copy you. You're showing me who not to be. Yes. And the world is what is the lesson I take for some awful people. Yeah. And I like you, I totally agree about the given, especially of your knowledge and your time. Yeah, I, totally absolutely, up for absolutely. Are you feeling positive about whatever's next, given that you've got your kindness and you're accepting it's an unstructured path and you're that voice, you've got the resilience, are you feeling confident about the future? Yeah, very confident, yeah. I mean, I sometimes have wobbles and I think that's all yeah. That's all good, you know, yeah. and I think that keeps you grounded, uh-huh. um, absolutely. But, but yeah, I do feel confident and I love what I do and I'm really glad that I, I took this path, you know. And it's like, you know, I think th- that's the other message that I suppose I would like to get across is that you, for some people I think they have their structured path in life and they go through school and you know they they know what O levels they're going to do they know what A levels they're going to do if that's what the, the qualifications are these days I don't think they are but that shows my age and then they go on to university and they know what kind of career they're going to do but I never really had that. I was always kind of, well, I think I'll do hotel and catering. And then I did, I, I went into odd bins and I did, I was kind of, I did well in odd bins. I got branch manager and then, but I did damage my neck and my back. And then I went into recruitment consultancy. And then I came up to Scotland with a guy and, um, and then that all went a bit pear-shaped. And then it was a bit of a fluke that I found my way into the charity sector, you know. And so some of us have a squiggly career, you yeah. know. And actually, do you know, it's it's okay. It's all right to have that squiggly, unstructured career. And you can get there, you know. You can get to a point where you have a really successful career. I think people box people and say you've got to you've got to think you know and be you know in those professional careers but actually sometimes it's okay to be a squiggle (laughs) that's what the name of the podcast should be it's okay to be a squiggle (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom karen i really appreciate it oh well i've loved it and thank you for inviting me Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.